I'm really excited to be able to share with you today the things that God has placed on my heart as we come to the close of the series called The Cost that we've been going through over the past six weeks. So I'm going to start going to start with prayer and then going to continue in to what we're talking about this morning. So will you join me and let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you so much as we've just sung these songs, that that is who you are, that you are always at work, even when we don't see you working, even when we don't understand, you are at work. Lord, we thank you so much that we can come before you, Lord, that we can bring everything before you to the foot of the cross and lay it before you and ask you to forgive us, to fill us, and to help us keep walking with you. Father, I pray now as we come to hear from you, I ask that you would speak through me today, that it's not my words, but this is you and what you've just been showing me. And I just thank you for the ways that you speak to us. Thank you for your word that you reveal, reveal your words to us your will to us through it, and I pray that now our hearts and our minds would be ready to hear what you have to say to us today. May you give us understanding as we read your word, and I ask that your Holy Spirit would just fill each one of us to be so close to you, knowing that you are here moving in this place, working among us now, whether we're in person or online, we thank you, that we can be here and be part of what you are doing in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to start off this morning with a bit of a question and something, I guess, to think about. It's something that I've been thinking about over the past few weeks as God has been revealing different things to me through his word. But my question is, have you ever had to cut something out of your diet because it was something that started to make you sick. Now, some of you, you've had to do that. And for me, I'm thankful that at this point in my life, I haven't really had to do that. I can kind of eat anything that I want, um, kind of, I guess. But I know that for some, it isn't so easy, that there's some things that you've had to cut out because they make you feel sick. They make you physically sick, or they can lead to worse things. And so I know that some of us have to be, well, we probably all should be, very mindful of what we put into our bodies, how we nourish our physical selves and what that looks like and what that means. And we actually talked a bit about this at our youth group Bible study a few weeks ago. We were talking about things that, um, we were talking about temptation and things that we should stay away from and the topic of sugar came up. And sugar is probably one of those things that we're like, we should stay away from sugar because it's not good for us. But then I do just want like a little bit in my coffee or in my tea or when I go to the grocery shop, it's just everything is basically has added sugar. It's kind of hard to stay away from it. People, we, we crave it. It's, you just buy it everywhere in anything. Hard to get away from. And so we have things like that for our physical bodies, but then we also have that for just our lives as well. We have things that come into our lives each day, and when it comes to following Jesus, there are those things that are not great or helpful to our walk with the Lord, and maybe they're actually damaging our relationship with him and could result in, in leading us away from him. But yeah, we let those things be part of our day today. 
So last week we looked at the cost of building. We looked at the book of Haggai or chapter one of Haggai and how God called his people back home, back to Jerusalem to build the temple, to do the things that he called them to do, that he created them to do. And today we're gonna continue on in some similar kinds of thoughts. And so basically I'm gonna be sharing with you what God has been revealing to me in my personal quiet times, just as I've been reading through through his word. So I have been going through the Old Testament backwards. I started in Zechariah, then I went to Malachi, then I kept going. I'm currently, I decided to, once I finished the minor prophets, I was like, yeah, let's do something else. And I'm starting the major prophets, but not backwards. Gonna go forwards, just to mix things up a little bit. But it was through the minor prophets that God really spoke to me and revealed some things about myself that I needed to work on and change and he, convicted me of sin and I was so thankful that he brought that to my attention and so it was through these words of Malachi that we're going to read together in a moment that he did that but before we read that one of my favorite things about being in relationship with God with Jesus is that it's not that we just come to know him and then it's done it's not that we just come to know him and then we just live our lives when we're in a relationship with Jesus, we get to know him more and more and more every single day, every single year. We have the opportunity to grow with him. And so no matter how long you've been following Jesus, whether that be one month to 20 years or more or less, we're able to grow with him. And he's able to teach us so many things. He is never, ever finished with you, no matter where you are at in following him. There's always so many new things to learn. And so as I was reading through Malachi, that was what I realized. I realized that there were things that I needed to change, that I needed to learn, and that there are things that I need to be very mindful of that I allow into my life, into my body and into my family. So today I'm just gonna keep on sharing with you what he has been, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me. So we're looking at Malachi chapter one, reading from verse six. To 14. It says this The Lord of heaven's armies says to the priests, A son honors his father, and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, How have we ever shown contempt for your name? You've shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Well, then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect when you give blind animals as sacrifices. Isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is says the Lord of heaven's armies. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? Asks the Lord of heaven's armies. How I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and I will not accept your offerings 
but my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. All around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name, for my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you dishonor my name with your actions by bringing contemptible food and a saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say, it's too hard to serve the Lord, and you turn up your noses at my commands, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these? Asked the Lord. Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and my name is feared among the nations. We'll end our reading there. There is a lot in this passage that we have just read, and so I want to share a bit of background. Now, what we're going to do with this passage is um, look at the themes of it and really what God has been revealing to me through it. But last week we read in Haggai, how God, God's people had not yet built this temple after God had called them home to Jerusalem to rebuild it. And so we, start, we saw that um, Haggai had to speak to them and through hearing those words, they started to obey and they started to rebuild the temple. And so now we are in Malachi, which is actually about 100 years later. And so by this stage, the temple had been built and the people were able to worship God. They were able to bring him offerings and sacrifices as they were called to do. However, things were not as they should be. The priests, so the ones who were meant to be leading the people to God, guiding them to God, bringing bringing them before him, they weren't doing it right. They were giving God dodgy sacrifices, sacrifices that were damaged. And these kinds of sacrifices were not what they were meant to bring. And these priests should have known that. They were meant to bring a pure sacrifice to God, one that would bring God honor, just as we read in that passage. You wouldn't bring a damaged sacrifice or a damaged animal to somebody that you want to honor. And yet that is what these guys were doing. They should have known from the covenant promises that they had made with God years ago. And in Deuteronomy 15, 21, it's just part of what they had to do, um, what kind of animals they were to bring. But if this firstborn animal has any defect, such as lameness or blindness, or if anything else is wrong with it, you must not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. And so these priests brought these imperfect sacrifices to God even though they knew that it was wrong. And then God asks them, why have you shown contempt by my name? And the priests were like, well, how'd we do that? But the priests also said, it's too hard to serve the Lord. It's too hard. And they turned their noses up at his commands. When I first read this passage, and as I continue to read it now, I clearly felt God speaking to me about what I bring to him. Now, I'm not talking about bringing animals to God because we don't have to do that. I've never bought an animal before God, nor do we have to, but it's more what do I bring in myself? When we have 
have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, his Holy Spirit comes to live with us and live in us and we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit dwells there. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God brought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So through that, God spoke to me saying, if I, if I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit and here in Malachi, the priests were bringing in sacrifices that were not perfect and were dishonoring to God's name and showing contempt for his name, then what am I bringing into the temple of the Holy Spirit? What am I bringing in? So what is key to understanding this is that the priests were bringing those unacceptable sacrifices into the temple. And so while we aren't priests at the temple, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and we bring things into our hearts and into our lives each day. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 to 17 says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you. God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. See, we are called and created to be a place where the Holy Spirit can dwell. And because of that, we are called to be mindful of what we feed ourselves. Romans 12, 1 and 2 puts it this way. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So if I am being a living sacrifice, as I'm called to be and live, and as the temple of the Holy Spirit, what things am I allowing into that temple that I then bring before God? What kind of things am I tying myself to that do not bring God honor and glory? What are the things that I tie myself to that pull me away from God and lead me to sin? 1 Peter 1.16 says, for the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. How do we do this? Are there things that we shouldn't be allowing into our lives? I think it's important for us to reflect and ask ourselves some questions. And the first question is this, what am I allowing into my life? Now, this question is an important one to ask. No matter where you are at in your life, whether you have a relationship with Jesus or not, it's asking, what are you allowing into your life? Because what we allow into our life matters. Pastor Craig Rochelle of Life Church has this quote. He says, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So our strongest thoughts basically dictate our lives or the direction our lives are going because what we are thinking on is what we're going to be pulled to. And our strongest thoughts are often influenced by those things that we allow into our lives, those things that we focus on and dwell on 
but sometimes we don't even realize or think about what we're actually letting in. So the priests of Malachi, they didn't really realize, although they should have, that they were showing contempt for God's name. They had, been fo- had they been focusing on what God had commanded them to, had they been reminded and reading through and remembering God's word and commands given to them, this probably wouldn't have happened. But they allowed those things in. They allowed it to happen. And I think sometimes because of maybe it's the culture we live in, maybe it's just how people are, we don't even realize that we're allowing things into our lives that damage our relationship with Jesus or that hinder the temple of the Holy Spirit in us because these things are unacceptable to God. We say that these things aren't that bad. These things are that everyone enjoys. They're things that make us laugh or they're books that have this really good story or computer games or games we play on our devices, music that has a cool beat, but they're things that pull us away from God. And like I said, God's been working with me through this. And when I share with you, I don't ever want to be fake with you because that's not who I am. This is, this is me. Um, and this is what he's been sharing with me. And I have a confession to make with you. There are some shows, TV shows and series that I have watched that I think are so funny and I've enjoyed watching them and they've been part of my life for so long. They aren't Bible-based Their morals aren't great, but basically everyone else is watching them, so it can't be that bad, right? Well, the thing is, when I watch these shows, sometimes my mind can be consumed by them, and in this day and age, when you are able to watch season after season after season after season with no pause button, it's so easy to get consumed by them. There's YouTube content about them that you can go and get extra stuff. You can pay and be a, uh, I don't know, part of like a club to go along with these shows. And there's podcasts about them. You can literally immerse yourself in these things. Now, if you're curious about what shows I'm talking about, you can come and talk to me after. I'm not really going to just say it from from here today um, because that's not the point. The point is these things did not point my heart to Jesus. In fact, these shows, even though like they're not really horrible, they have a good storyline, they have good characters, but they don't honour God, and watching them don't lead me to honour God because I'm accepting of what's going on in these shows, and I know that it's not right, but it can lead me to dwell on those things, and none of it is helpful. See, none of it leads me to worship. None of it leads me to prayer. None of it leads me to thinking on the things of God. And it's funny that God's only just convicted me now of this because it's been part of my life for so many years. That's only through the words of Malachi that God shone a light on those things. He's convicted me of many other things, like the music I listen to or movies and things like that. And I often talk about this with our youth, being careful of what we watch, what we listen to, what we allow into our minds, because it impacts us so much more than we realize. But then he convicted of that same lesson to me again. 
And so I guess part of that lesson to me was that God is never finished with us. No matter if he's challenged us on an area in the past, he can change it and challenge it again. But it's not about changing it. It's about refining us to be more like him, the people that he created us to be. He is so gentle. He is so gracious with us as each of us are on our own journey. And he will reveal those things to you at the time that he wants to reveal those things to you. And so as I'm sharing this today, I'm not telling you that you need to stop whatever you're doing unless that is what you feel that you need to do and that the Holy Spirit is saying that to you. This is what he's been saying to me. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, Paul puts it this way. He says, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. So what things are we allowing into our lives that may be okay for others that take our minds on a direction that they should not go? What are the things we allow into our lives and therefore the temple of the Holy Spirit that are similar to offering God something that was crippled, a crippled animal? See, the problem is when I allow those things into my life, I allow them in, and then I bring those things with me when I worship God. It's like one moment I can focus on my mind on this show and like be laughing at these things that are not honoring to God, but at that same day or even later on in the day, I come and I worship him and I say, you are Lord of all but then I let these other things into my life that do not show his lordship, that do not bring him glory. It's like, okay, in some places, but not other places. So what are we allowing in that defiles the temple? When I realized this, part of me was, a little part of me was sad because I was like, but God, these shows, like, they're fine. I have memories tied to them. They've been part of my life for so long. Do I have to let it go? Does it really matter, Lord? But he placed that on my heart, and I knew that I had the choice to obey or to disobey. The other part of me was so thankful, because when God puts those things on your heart, when he reveals those things to you, God is trying to show you something. God is refining you, working on your heart to be holy as he is holy. So what should I do with those things? Now, if I, as I've been sharing, things are coming to your mind, things that you're thinking, mm, probably shouldn't have that in my life. It could be anything. It's not just TV shows. It can be anything. What do we do with those things? When God convicts us of something and tells us that we need to stop, then we need to stop. We have a choice to make. We need to stop and to not listen to what he's calling us to do is a sin, See, it's the same as the priests were bringing those sacrifices. God had already told them the kind to bring, but they had not obeyed. Jesus tells us what to do with sin. When he was sharing on the Sermon of the Mountain, in this bit, he's talking about adultery, but it's this principle that we can apply to all areas of our life. Matthew 5, 27 to 30. You have heard the commandment that says, You must not commit adultery. 
But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. What do we do with these things? Cut them off. If they're leading us to sin, cut it off. It's not worth holding on to it. If God's convicted us of something that we shouldn't be watching or reading or listening to or doing or a place that we're going or being part of, he's trying to tell us something. And of course, we always have the choice, but he's already told us in his word to cut it off. Get rid of that subscription. Stop paying for what leads you to sin. Cut those things off that defile the temple. But whatever we cut off now, it's 100% worth it because cutting it off now means obedience to God. It means being refined by him. It means being able to draw into relationship with him, to be close to him which that is what we were created for. We're created to be close to Jesus. But when we hold on to these things, they hold us back. They hold us back from experiencing his presence completely. So if we know what those things are and we've cut them off, what's next? What are we meant to do? We do as the scriptures say. Ephesians 4 21 to 24, since since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run the race with endurance, the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor besides the throne of God. Philippians 4, 8 to 9. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Get rid of the sin or the things that lead us to sin. Put on our new life and our new nature in Christ, the life where we fix our eyes on Jesus and keep on pursuing him, filling our minds and filling our lives with the things that Philippians 4, 8 says, things that are true, honorable, right, lovely, admirable, excellent and worthy of praise. 
Now that seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to do. And it kind of got me thinking that cutting off these things and focusing on things that are lovely, to some people that can seem like it's boring, like Christianity, it's just these rules that you just have to, okay, if I'm following Jesus and I have to cut these things off, but that's not what it's about. So we don't cut those things off because, because it's a bad thing. We cut those things off because we want to follow Jesus. It's where our heart is at. We cut those things off because we don't want to have things in our lives that hinder our relationship with him. It's not about rules It's about pursuing Christ. And I think, though, that's one of the reasons that people often think that following Jesus isn't fun because there's things that you have to give up or there's things that I'm going to miss out on because I've had to give that up. That following Jesus means that you miss out on a whole heap of life. I'm never, ever going to forget this time when Jonathan and I were in the car and Jonathan was pulled up for an RBT. And you know the question that they ask you, have you ever had anything, have you had anything to drink today? And Jonathan is able to answer the same way every time. He says, never in my life. And the officer, the officer said to him, oh, you're missing out. And I remember being so shocked that a police officer pulling us up for an RBT would say to my husband, you're missing out because he's not, or he doesn't drink. Why would you do that? (laughs) Why would you tell someone that they're missing out because they've never consumed alcohol? What are they missing out on? You know what he is missing out on? Not having that stress of being caught for drink driving because he doesn't drink. But it's the same principle to our lives. What am I gonna miss out on? Missing out on a hangover? Missing out on not remembering things? That's the same principle though. When we say no to things like that, we're not missing out on anything because we are able to come close to Christ. There are things that are going to be hard to give up no matter where you're at, no matter what is going on in your life. There are things going to be hard to give up. That's the cost. That's what we've been talking about. It's going to cost us. But when we give up these things, we gain life. John 10.10, Jesus says it this way. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I love the way the NIV puts it. It says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, the life of following Jesus is a life that is full. It is a life that is rich and satisfying. Not saying that you're going to have a lot of money and have like this life that is just constantly happy. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that your life will be satisfying and rich and full because of Christ, because following Jesus is that kind of life, a life that is not empty. So whatever God is telling us to stop or give up or cut off is actually something that is not truly satisfying in our lives. It's not going to satisfy our need for fun. It's not going to satisfy or fill that hole in our heart. It's not going to satisfy our needs for relationship. Jesus alone is what and who gives us that life that is rich 
and full and satisfying. So when we live in this way, we bring our whole selves before Jesus as a sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. We bring ourselves to him as this temple where the Holy Spirit can dwell inside of us, where he can speak to us, guide us and fill us with true peace. And we will be a place where he causes his name to be honored because of who we are in Christ, because of how our hearts are wanting to pursue him. Now, the thing is, what I've shared today only makes sense with Jesus. It only makes sense when we are wanting to pursue him, following Jesus and counting the cost of being his disciple. It only makes sense when, we're, when we are in relationship with him. Because when we say yes to Jesus, it's not a get out of hell free card. It's a relationship with him where we get to grow. It's, a, it's about transformation. It's what he said in Luke 9, 23, that we have to give up ourselves, deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. It will cost us but it is worth it because he will show us things in our lives. We will grow with him, walk in step with him. For some of you today, you know what what I'm talking about and you can testify to those things in your life where God put it on your heart and you're like, okay, I'm gonna give that up, Lord. I'm gonna surrender that to you. And you can talk of the testimony and the goodness of God in surrendering whatever that was. Others, maybe maybe wrestling with something that God has put on your heart to get rid of. He's challenging us with that question. What do we bring? What am I bringing? Am I doing one thing and then saying, yes, God, I honor you, but then also doing things that don't honor him? Psalm 139, 23 to 24, a prayer that if that's where you're at, it's a dangerous prayer, but one that will change your life if you're willing to pray it. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Are we willing to pray that prayer and as God points those things out to us, to deal with them? Others of us may be recognizing that our lives are full of different things and yet it still feels empty. The empty space can only be filled with Jesus. Filling it with anything else does not truly satisfy. See, Jesus loves us so, so, so much. And we just sung this morning that we can come to God just as we are, which is true. We can come before him just as we are, no matter what kind of week we've had, no matter where we're at, because he welcomes us and loves us. But he also tells us to lay those things down at the foot of the cross, bring our addictions, bring all of those burdens and those things and lay them down at the foot of the cross because he's waiting there with open arms. He welcomes us, he wants us, he longs for a relationship with us and the cost of 
surrendering to him. So where are you at today? I know that God will be speaking to you in the way that only God can speak to you. And I pray that as you hear his voice, you would heed what he's saying and listen and obey. So will you pray with me now? Lord God, we thank you so much that you love us, that you are a God of grace. You're also a God of truth, the God of grace and the God of truth. Lord, I thank you for the ways and that you teach us. I thank you so much for your word and the things that you reveal to us each day and the things that you want to reveal to us. I pray for each person listening that as they read your word, that you would open up their minds to understand what your Holy Spirit is saying, what your word is saying, that it would be so clear to us that we'd have that understanding. And Lord, I pray that if there's things in our lives that we are struggling to surrender, I pray that you would guide us in that, that we would be willing to lay those things down, to have our lives completely yours, knowing that with you we will be satisfied because there is nothing and no one like you. Father, we confess that there are those things that hold us back from you. We want to get rid of them so we can pursue you. Lord, I ask that you would help us to do that. May our hearts be willing, may our hearts not be hardened, but be willing to surrender that to you. Thank you for what you are doing, that you are always working, even when we don't see it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.